Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. How much is a customer worth? What's a good cost per click? What do you want for an ideal profit margin? You can do the math backwards to figure out what you can pay for a lead or a click. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 106. This week, you have myself, Molly Pittman, and Mr. Ralph Burns. Hello, Molly. Hello, Ralph. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm great. Just got back from Digital Marketer Down Under. That's why I wasn't on last week's episode. But Marcus Murphy, Justin Rondo, and myself went down to Australia And we held three events with our lovely certified partner, Sonia Keenan. So we were in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. We got to meet 800 DMers. So thanks to everybody who came out. It was really, really fun. And excuse my nasally voice, I caught an Australian winter bug. (laughs) (laughs) I think before we get into this episode, we have something to celebrate. By the time you guys hear this episode, we will hit 2 million downloads on the podcast, which is really exciting. Did you say 2 million downloads? (laughs) That's exactly what I said. Two years, 2 million downloads. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Wow. Thank you for all your downloads. That's fantastic. That's a lot of people listening to us, Molly. That's a lot of ear holes. I know. It's a lot of earbuds. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We try to do our best to bring it every single week. Hopefully this episode will be no exception because I think this is a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. As we say down here in Texas. Today's all about making money on the Facebook ads. 
specifically, yeah. or really in general, just if you're spending money on any sort of advertising, this is a yeah. sort of a critical concept that you need to understand if you're a business owner or if you're a marketing professional or a consultant, whatever it happens to be, you're working for another company, you need yeah. to know how much to pay for a customer. Something that I found by creating the traffic workshop that we launched at, at DM a couple months ago was really this concept of success metrics. Obviously, everything comes down to how much can you pay for a customer. You have to know that number or at least know the metrics that lead to that number to know how much you can pay for a click or a video view or a lead or to acquire a customer at a small dollar offering. You know, how much you can pay to acquire someone at your your core offering. What I hear a lot is this Facebook campaign or this Google campaign, it just didn't work. That's something I hear from a lot of our students. And the first thing that I ask is, what do you mean it didn't work? And they usually say, well, it didn't make me any money. And that's a valid concern to have. We definitely aren't in the game of just giving Facebook money for fun. No. Obviously, you have to realize how much you can pay for a customer, but it also comes down to this idea of success metrics in terms of, you know, the system that we teach, that you do have multiple traffic campaigns in your business that are working together to acquire that customer. So some campaigns that are at the beginning of the journey, they might have different success metrics than your campaigns that are really built to retarget and, and to generate ROI, Yeah, right? Totally. So sometimes you will be measuring things like cost per click or cost per view. In the middle, you might be measuring cost per lead. But yeah, today we're going to talk about what are these metrics? How do you decide these metrics in your business? And Ralph, I know you have a ton of experience with this, with all of the clients that you deal with, you know, figuring out what does success mean to them? Is that one of the first things you ask when you guys onboard a client? Yeah. In fact, it's actually, we've now revised what we call our onboarding document around this very question, because we realize that a lot of people come to us with a preconceived notion of what they can pay to acquire a customer or what they can pay for a lead. And so many leads turn into customers. So what we do is we, we end up forcing people now, not forcing, but we give them an idea, help sort of guide them through the process of... Are your assumptions on what you can pay to acquire a customer accurate? Because I think a lot of people that come to us say, hey, I can pay $4 for a lead, you know, in the B2B space. And sometimes that might be a challenge, depending on what type of market it is, how what the competition is like, all these other sorts of things. So what we do is we have a part of our onboarding in the agency, Dominate Web Media, that actually helps people through this sort of step-by-step -step and says, all right, well, let's start with this number and then sort of work backwards from you know what an ideal sort of cost per acquisition looks like. And it's very instructive. I mean, some people who have really got it together, really know their business as well, know that number off the top of their head. And they also know, you know, the value of time, you know, which is a huge part of this whole thing. Like how much pain can you put up with for what you're paying for a lead before they actually turn into a customer, turning that advertising dollar into dollars for you. So time is actually a huge part of this whole thing. So it's really variable. And we have, you know, so many different customers in our agency 
in so many different industries that it it varies so widely. It's a great exercise to go through. So it not only helps us as an agency to hit that, what we call the CPA KPI, is the cost per acquisition key performance indicator, which is the most important number that we have for any customer who works with us. It really helps us achieve their goals, but also makes them maybe a little bit more aware of what their business actually is. And maybe they can pay a little bit more. Maybe they can do some things differently based upon how Facebook behaves with, with their offer. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think today is a core concept. I think we're going to refer back to a lot here on the show. Yeah. And I think if you can figure this out, right, if you can figure out what you can pay to acquire a customer, it makes everything easier because then you aren't asking questions like, what's a good cost per click? And every time someone asks me, what's a good cost per click? What's a good cost per lead? I can give you ballpark numbers based off of what I've seen, you know, across different industries, but it really, really depends, right? It depends on your selling system. It depends on your funnel. It depends on how much a customer is worth to you, like Dan Kennedy and and then Ryan. And now I'm going to say he or she who can spend the most to acquire a customer wins, right? Well, the reason you can spend the most to acquire a customer is because you know each step of your funnel, you know the conversion rates. And so you can do the math backwards, as I like to call it, um, to figure out exactly what you can pay for a click based off of the lifetime value and, and what you can pay to acquire a customer. Yeah. And a, and a hard part of that is what you want to, and we'll go through this in this sort of exercise, and we'll use digital marketer as an example here, is what do you want for an ideal profit margin, which is a really variable figure. It really depends on the industry. It depends on your business. Right. You don't want that number to be too high. Otherwise, you could sacrifice other parts to your business. So there is sort of some personal preference here. There is another part to this that you don't have to get this exactly, exactly right. I mean, the more exactly right based on metrics and spreadsheets and everything you pull out of your QuickBooks or whatever it happens to be, the better. But I think you can start advertising and start marketing your company, your campaign without an exact figure. Yes. So if you ballpark it and it's kind of 80% or 70% close, that's pretty good. That's a good basis. So don't use this as a, oh, well, I now, you know, I listened to episode 106. Now I have to go back and go through three years of data to figure out what I can pay. Well, no, just give a kind of a ballpark range. Look at the last month or so and, and take a little bit of a guess here. We've identified five success metrics that you can look at to say, is this campaign, is my media spend a success, right? Because most of the people listening here don't just have a set budget that they can throw at advertising without tracking. We understand that most people here need to realize this revenue quickly. And that's one of the first things that you need to think about. Cash flow. So how much cash do you have to spend on advertising and how quickly do you need to realize the revenue? So for example, um, when I first started buying media at Digital Marketer, we were in a different financial situation. And my directives were, we need to break even on ad spend, right? Our return on ad spend, we need to break even pretty much within a day, right? Almost immediately because cash flow was a little tight. Now, as the business has grown and we're in a different financial situation, I can go 30 days, sometimes 40 days or 60 days, depending on 
the current state of the business before I need to to break even on this ad spend, which obviously allows me to scale. It allows me to pay a little bit more than our competitors. So I, I really believe that's the first thing you need to decide. How quickly do you need to realize this revenue? Because that's going to decide a lot. And I think that is a good yardstick. When you're first starting out, you're probably pretty intimidated by the fact that you're spending money and you might not see an immediate return. And the vast majority of businesses, that is the case. They usually don't see a a return that day. I don't care how great of an advertising agency that you've got. Like that is a pretty tall task because that means that you've got a really well-oiled sales machine behind that click. And that's the reason why in our agency, we don't take on customers who are just starting out because this is a start-stop kind of thing. Like when you're just starting out, you're with a new offer, you've never run Facebook ads, you've never run any advertising, it's going to be really challenging unless you have a million in cash sitting in the bank and you really think that at some point people are going to buy your product. That's a lot of what-ifs the more mature the business, typically, the more they realize that, hey, I can pay more for a customer and I can wait a little bit longer. And I think what you're talking about with DM and how you guys have evolved over time is a really good example of that. And you you can actually wait 29 days or 30 days before you break even. All of this comes down to your funnel right? So the traditional five-step funnel that we've always taught, you know, a lead magnet, a tripwire, a core offer, a profit maximizer, you know, usually the benchmarks that we set are 40% of people that land on your squeeze page actually opt in for your lead magnet, right? 10% by your tripwire, 10% by your core offer. And those are the benchmarks that that we set for ourselves. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, number one, your funnel follows that same formula. You might just be generating leads that you then pick up the phone and call. Sure. This is just the, the acquisition funnel that we have used to build our businesses. Uh, but those are the benchmarks that we've set because we know if we can hit those numbers, we can immediately see a return on our ad spend. If you put this into a dollar amount, imagine that you buy a thousand clicks at a dollar a piece. So you give Facebook a thousand dollars and all 1000 of those people are heading over to your squeeze page. Well, following this formula, 40% of them opt in. So at 40%, you would have generated 400 leads at $2 and 50 cents a piece. Okay, yep. move on to the tripwire, which, you know, might be a $7 offer, might be $29, might be $97. It really depends on your business and how much you're selling that product for. At Digital Marketer, it's usually $7, sometimes $47. But if 10% of those people convert, you've now acquired 40 customers at $25 a piece. That's pretty darn good if you have a good back end. To move on to the next step, If 10% of those people convert on your core offer, you've now acquired four core offer customers at $250 a piece. So we know the lifetime value of a customer at Digital Marketer is around $350. Well, we just acquired 40 customers, right? Because we sold 40 tripwires at $25 
$1,000 a piece, which means I have a lot of wiggle room to scale a campaign if these were my initial results. But also keeping in mind, what if your landing page only converted at 20% and you only generated 200 leads, you paid $5 a lead, but for some reason your tripwire converted it 20% instead of 10%. The math would still work out the same. So if you're looking at your funnel and you're not hitting a 40-10-10, that's okay, right? It might be 20-20-10. Those are just benchmarks, but this is what we mean by doing the math backwards. If you can really figure out what is your lifetime value of your customer. And then of course you have to factor in things like refunds, cost of goods sold, what profit margin you're really wanting to run on in your business. You can do the math backwards if you know some, even some pretty vague conversion rates in your funnel to figure out what you can pay for a lead or what you can pay for a click. Is this a similar method that you guys use with your clients, Ralph? Absolutely. And the premise is the same, is that all things being equal, I mean, we do use these same benchmarks. So we get asked all the time, I've got a lead magnet and it's converting on its sales page for every 200 clicks that I get, 20 people opt in. Is that good or is that bad? Well, doing the quick math, that tells me that if that's a link click, remember in Facebook, it's a link click, not a click, because a click could be a like, share, comment, click back to the page, any of that sort of stuff. It's a link click or more specifically, as my programmer always tells me, unique link click. So if you're paying a dollar per, you're paying a thousand dollars. But if you're conversion rate on your page is 10%, then you're paying $10 a lead, right? Which it depends on like, is that good or is that bad? Well, you know, $10 a lead is an expensive lead cost in most industries, but it might actually be really cheap in some of the more highly technical B2B space. But what we try to do is we try to figure out like where the weak spot is in a sales funnel. And typically for a landing page that converts at at 10%, that's way below where we want to be. I think 40% is really is the standard. It's the standard to shoot for. We don't necessarily get it, but you know anything below a 20% conversion rate on a landing page, you might've actually identified part of your problem in this whole process. So each one of these individual numbers can get dissected. And so you can troubleshoot where the, the sort of the hole in your sales funnel or your sales system is. Right. But this really is reverse math. And let's use another example. I mean, imagine, say you're a service-based business and your funnel, right? And I'm doing quotation marks. Your funnel is a landing page where you generate leads. And then maybe those leads are routed to your assistant and they qualify the leads. And then the ones that are qualified, you actually call on the phone. Yeah. So imagine that your landing page converts at 20%. And then imagine that 10% of those people that opt in are actually qualified by your assistant. And then imagine that 10% of the people that you call on the phone on average usually convert, right? They usually buy. You can do the same math, even if it's not an online funnel or if you're not selling info products, right? So don't think this doesn't work in my business because it absolutely does. I mean, the same thing with store visits. 
how many people that actually click on my ad or maybe opt in for a coupon actually visit my store? And out of the people that visit my store, on average, how many of them buy? Just to apply this same concept to different types of businesses, every business can do the math backwards. You know, some B2B companies can pay two, three, four, five hundred dollars for a lead because they're selling forty thousand dollar exactly. packages. Yep. Right. And that's okay. And maybe their landing page only converts at 10%. Yep. You know, and maybe only 10% of those leads are qualified. It doesn't make their funnel bad right? It doesn't make their ads bad. You just have to figure out what this math is for you and your business and your clients so that you can judge what success is, right? So you can say, yes, this is good or, you know, no, this just isn't working. This is a really kind of simple example. I mean, in the case of like what the lifetime customer value uh, yeah. is for digital marketer, it's $350. So yep. you know that every one of those tripwire offers in our hypothetical example, like $25 to produce $350 over time is sort of the question there. How long does that $350 actually manifest itself? Could be a month, could be two months, could be probably six to nine months. I think you'd probably have to go back to your controller and actually sort of look at that. But the point is, is that if you understand what the long-term value is and you have enough cash on hand to actually sustain your business, so you're not going broke while you wait for them to, you know, customer valueize themselves. Is that a word? Valueize? Yes. Um, it is now. It is now. We just, we just make up terms here. We just make up vocabulary <laughs> here on the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. But my point is, is that, it, that there is a time factor to this and there is a pain element. If you don't have much cash in the bank, you can't wait much more than a month. So you got to really push forward that sales cycle and get your salespeople on the phone lickety split or have a really good autoresponder message if they're going into an email sequence or make sure your offers convert right after the click, you know, just like digital marketers offers do. So it's going to really vary. It's really hard to say unless we get into specific, specific numbers. So let's get into how we determine this and then sort of back end load it based on our original example. Let's do it. So the first thing that you want to find out is you want to figure out, okay, how much is a customer worth? The first thing you want to do is you want to calculate your customer lifetime value. So what you need to do is to, to figure this out, obviously, in the case of Digital Marketer here, they figured out that $350 is the lifetime customer value of anyone that they acquire. So they found that out through, I think one of your data guys actually pulled that. Was it uh, the Grim Reaper that pulled that out for you guys? Yes, Mr. John Grimshaw. All right. Way to go. Grim. Uh, so if you have somebody like John Grimshaw, you can just immediately just ask him and he'll pull that data out. But for you as the individual business owner, maybe you don't know this. So the easiest way to do this is there's two different ways, I think, based upon what we've seen inside the agency, but also sort of a more scientific way. If you can figure out how many customers you've acquired or how many customers bought your products in the last, let's say, year, or maybe a shorter time frame, maybe the last three months, or maybe even a month, and then you divide it by your sales for those customers, you'll get pretty quickly a ballpark figure of what your lifetime customer value is. So you might have multiple orders from the same customer, which is fine, which is exactly what you want. You want to find out on average, how much does a customer actually buy 
of our stuff. So easiest thing to do, go back 12 months, figure out how many customers you have, active customers maybe within that 12 months who actually did purchase something, and then figure out that value. For us inside the agency, typically this is a, a longer process sometimes for some of our customers. So we just, we try to get them to ballpark it, or we tell them to sort of reverse their math. But in most cases, we give them kind of an estimate. And anywhere between, just to keep the math easy, let's say it's a $25 product. And they have multiple products that that particular customer might purchase over time. If they don't know what that total sales is divided by total customers for that particular year, the last 12 months, we might estimate maybe between two to 10, maybe two to six times what the initial purchase price is for their products. So most of their products in this case are $25. So let's say anywhere between two to eight times that is a good way to kind of look at what lifetime customer value is. So in that case, we do about five times 25, which would be about $125 thereabouts. Right. And again, just a benchmark. This comes from the Ready, Fire, Aim book by Michael Masterson, uh, which is, I think, a favorite of all of ours. It's a great benchmark if you're just getting started and you you just don't know, right? Because when you're just getting started, you just don't know the lifetime value of your customer. Especially if you have a recurring product. I mean, it really depends on your product. I mean, for somebody like, you know, the cable company, I mean, I I don't know what my lifetime customer value is to Comcast, but it's in the thousands of dollars between all the bills we pay to Comcast. So for them, probably a lot more on my lifetime customer value, as opposed to, you know, my lifetime customer value for the hardware store down the street where I go there like once every three months. It really depends on your business model. So think about that. Even if you do, like I said, the beginning of the show, if you just sort of benchmark it, yeah, eyeball it, even if it's close, you've got a starting point. So two to 10, two to eight thereabouts of your initial purchase price or your initial conversion value of your initial product is typically an okay benchmark to start with. Okay, so the next step is that you want to figure out a couple pieces of math here. So your next step is you want to figure out what are your refunds, your cancels, maybe your you know bad debt, maybe in some cases. Uh, in most cases, it's refunds because if you're an online business, that's typically the case. So you have to figure out what that is. And, and this is going to be a, one that you're going to have to go back and, and look inside a CRM. But in most cases, let's say just for the sake of argument, use anywhere between 10 to 20%, you know, a 20% is probably high. So maybe we'll just use 10% just as a benchmark here. 10% of people who buy ask for a refund. That's one in 10. That's fairly high. So I think it's good to probably go err on the conservative when it comes to this. So we're going to add in $12.50. So we've got, you know, $25 initial price. We've got uh, $125 sort of overall conversion value in this fictitious company of ours. And then we want to figure out the third factor. The third factor is what are your cost of goods sold? And if you have a physical product, this is fairly straightforward. It's really, it's just whatever it is that, you know, it takes to manufacture or put your product on the market. Uh, in some cases, it's in a lot of cases for customers of ours, it's digital. So you produce it once and then all it is is ones and zeros and they just consume the content online and all you're really paying for is like the servers to house the data. 
So right. that's why digital products are so awesome. But uh, for cost yeah. of goods sold for a physical product, it might be considerably higher. When we sit in on meetings at Survival Life for some of our sister companies, it's a different conversation. And Ralph's helping us with some ads over at Survival Life right now, too. It's not just about selling the the product and return on ad spend, but we're also having to calculate things like shipping and the cost of the good, which makes things a little bit more complicated. But if you don't factor that in, you're going to find yourself in, in a pickle. The numbers are really, really important to back those numbers out because you know at the end of the line, this is what my average customer is going to purchase, what their lifetime customer value is. But it really depends on how good of a deal you can get. In the case of Survival Life, how great of a deal can we get for this you know, particular item and how much is it going to cost to ship? So cost of shipping is another part that you have to factor into this as well. So it's really going to vary based upon business. But in the case of digital businesses, the reason why those businesses are so great is that the cost of goods sold is very little. So let's say in the case of our fictitious product here, 10% of the total customer value or long-term customer value is your cost of goods sold. So cost of goods sold 10%. So that would be $12.50. Then you want to calculate your overhead costs. Your overhead costs are different than your cost of goods sold. This is something like your payroll, your utilities, you know, your accounting services, your legal, maybe software that you have to pay, travel and entertainment. People. People. People costs or your overhead yeah. costs. So I mean, that's that's a huge part of our expenses at Digital Marketer, right? Especially because a lot of our people are our products. So if you look at our percentage of costs that, that we spend on people, it looks high versus uh, different companies. But that's because most of us are the product, right? So that does have to, to be a part of the calculation when we go to look at how much can we pay for a customer. So let's say for our fictitious digital product, 30% is our overhead. So in this case, it would be $37.50 on $125 customer lifetime value. Okay, so so far what you've got is you've got your refund percentage at 10%. You've got your cost of goods sold at 10%. You've got your overhead cost, which we just went through, which is 30%, which is $37.50. So now you have to figure out your desired profitability. So this, based upon our original calculations here, this really is starting to look like a digital product. Okay, you've got a relatively low refund rate. You've got a very low cost of goods sold. You've got an overhead, which is normal, I think, in a lot of businesses, maybe a little bit on the low end. Maybe this is a virtual product of some way, shape, or form. So if you take out all those costs, the $12.50 from refunds, $12.50 from cost of goods sold, $37.50 for overhead, you've got $62.50 left. So this is where you want to figure out your desired profit margin. So in the digital product space, you could probably go anywhere between uh, a 20% margin on the low end, maybe to a 40% margin on the high end. And that will change your numbers. So it depends on what your business is, you know, what kind of cash flow you have, all sorts of other factors that are factored into the equation here. So if you wanted a 40% profit margin, it would be $50. That's pretty healthy. Um, wouldn't give you a whole lot of customer acquisition costs left over, which is the problem. So you might want to shoot a little bit more realistically here. So uh, maybe in the 30 or 20% range. So let's just be conservative here and say that you want a 20% profit margin after all is said and done. 
So uh, what that would do is that would then take out $25 from your overall costs. So you've got $62.50 left. So if you are looking for a 20% profit margin, you would take out $25 from that. And if you do all your math correctly, and hopefully we've done our math correctly here, Molly, um, is that you would then have what your customer acquisition cost would be left over. So once again, $125 minus refund rate, 10% at $12.50, minus cost of goods sold, 10%, which is $12.50, your overhead, which is 30%, which is $37.50. And then you take out your desired profitability at 20%. We're being a little bit conservative here. And you'd take out $25. So what you'd have left over is $37.50. And that would be your customer acquisition cost, your tolerable customer acquisition cost. So for every customer that comes in, you can pay that amount. So in our case of Digital Marketer, a good model for this, I think, is that every lead that comes in the door through cold traffic, about one in 10 or so, purchase the next product, which in their case, and many times is, is a tripwire product. Maybe it's a low price product that then they end up buying other products later on down the line. So 10% is, is realistic here. So maybe one in 10 of your leads convert into a sale. So if you can pay $37.50 for a customer, all you would do is you would divide $37.50 by 10 to come out what your tolerable cost per lead is. So all things being equal in our case here for this hypothetical business, it would be $3.75 is what you could pay for a lead, which is probably a little bit lower than what the allowable lead cost is for digital marketer and maybe a little bit lower than many of our customers for sure. But nonetheless, uh, you know, $3.75 uh, for a lead for cold traffic depending on what kind of space it is, is realistic inside Facebook. So that's how you figure it out. So now you have to figure all these things out all the way through your, your sales funnel. But in essence, that's how we would ballpark things. This is a really, really important thing to know. You got to know your CAC. It also shows the relationship that your traffic campaigns have with your funnel or your selling system, whatever you want to call it. The success of your traffic campaign solely relies on the system that you are sending traffic to, right? Yep. And I use this example a lot, but it it's really important. You know, if you're sending 100 clicks over to a landing page and it's converting it at 40% and say you're paying, you know, a dollar a lead. If for some reason the conversion rate goes down to 20%, now you're paying $2 per lead. The pages and the selling systems that you're sending traffic to directly affect the success of your traffic campaign. And if you don't have a high converting funnel, your traffic isn't going to work. 
And if you optimize your funnel, if you optimize any step of your funnel, it's only going to make your traffic campaign more successful. So running traffic and buying ads is not a lever that you're going to pull to make a bunch of money. You have to have a real business, a real product or service, and a real fluid funnel that converts. And you're using traffic just like a water hose that you turn on and off when you want more people to go through it. But you're just using traffic to send quality eyeballs through your funnel. When you're first starting, you have to spend some money to figure out whether or not it works. I mean, you, first off, you know, buy any and all of Digital Marketer's products, especially the, the recent traffic workshop at Digital Marketer, because this goes through all these different sales systems. I'm not even going to say funnels. Sales systems, starting from your front-end strategy all the way through to selling your core product or whatever product it is that you want to sell, and how to actually do it with regard to, to traffic on the front-end. The point is, is that you've got to start somewhere, and you got to actually test if you're just starting out you know, put a landing page out there and, and, you know, figure out, Hey, you know, uh, if I'm getting a 10% conversion rate or a 20% conversion rate or a 40% conversion rate on cold traffic to my lead magnet, you know, the 40% is pretty good. 30% is pretty good. 20%, you know, you could probably, you know, maybe do a little bit more work, but you know, you can also increase the value by getting cheaper clicks too. So it's one of the things we always look back to is like, why are we paying so much per lead? Well, we're paying too much per click. You know, even if I have a 50% conversion rate on my landing page from cold traffic, but I'm paying $5 a click, then I'm getting a $10 lead. That's an expensive lead in most cases. So you have to kind of figure out like what's wrong with your funnel. And that's how you sort of troubleshoot it. So in the case that your cost per click is too high, then that probably means that your message to market match and your ad is incorrect. There's something missing there. You know, if they're not purchasing after they opt in on your thank you page where you have an offer, or maybe it's, you know, 1% or less than 1%, then, you know, if you're getting lots of leads, but no sales, well, you start working on that page. So you sort of troubleshoot every part of your entire sales process. And on episode 54, we go through a lot of those types of scenarios, like how you can troubleshoot your ad campaigns based upon the data that Facebook is giving you and based upon your conversion rates on your landing page and on your offer pages. So definitely go back to that episode with this in mind with lifetime customer value and what you can pay for a customer, customer acquisition cost, as we refer to it as CAC, and you'll be able to really get your, your funnels dialed in so you can make as much money as humanly possible through Facebook ads. Well, thank you for your smart and very wise words here, Mr. Alpha. I think the moral of the story is try to figure out your numbers, right? Obviously, if you're just getting started, you probably don't know lifetime value, but the examples and the framework that we've given in this episode, hopefully it allows you to start thinking about traffic differently and what you can pay for a click and what you can pay for a lead and really just encouraging you to do the math backwards to figure out what this means for your business so that you can pay more than your competition to acquire a customer. Absolutely. 
All right, guys, we will see you next week. Again, this is episode 106. Thanks for pushing us over the 2 million download mark. We really, really appreciate all of our listeners out there. Um, For show notes or any resources that we mentioned in this episode, go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast, and we will talk to you next week. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.